I'm feeling particularly um, comforted by the fact that there's two clear chairs between me and Luke this evening. So when it comes to the flame bit, I should be, I should be pretty safe. Um, I should also, though, um, confess I've been sat here for the last 45 minutes with a bit of envy, okay? So I thought I should get that out there. A bit of envy because I've been staring across the room at this Christmas tree and noticing that it's quite a lot bigger than our Christmas tree at Christchurch. So just making a mental note that next year we just have to go slightly bigger than SCC and I'll be, I'll be happy. I does have colourful lights, though, so maybe, maybe we're all right. Um, we're here at the end of 2023 and um, I always enjoy celebrating Christmas, but I wonder, I wonder what kind of year you've had. When you look back over 2023, cast your mind briefly over the months. I wonder what kind of year it's been. Hopefully for all of us, there's been moments of joy, um, good things to look back on. But I wonder if perhaps for some of us, if not many of us, it's not all been rosy. I was just talking to someone a moment ago um, before the service started who's not having the best time, not had the greatest year. I wonder if at the end of this year, do you find yourself overwhelmed by certain things like injustice when you look at the world around you or do you find yourself carrying fear about big things little things do you find yourself getting to the end of this year and feeling kind of if you're honest a bit weary just weary of life or perhaps is the overwhelming sense for you that actually you feel a bit lonely if you're honest loneliness is one of the things that's dominated this year for you Well, I don't know about you, but when it comes to Christmas time and we're carrying those things, one of the issues I sometimes have with Christmas is um, that there can be this kind of fake merriment to it, can't there? There can be this sort of superficial kind of joy. Um, Now, I do at this moment want to just find out how many of us in the room own a Christmas jumper because I want to find out how many of us in the room are kind of culprits of this superficial joy. Okay, hands up if you own a Christmas jumper. Okay, my hand's up too, all right, because I do also own one. So you don't feel too guilty. Like Christmas jumpers at the end of the day are quite fun. So let's not worry about that. But I do kind of wonder if we sometimes use this time of year to, to put a sticking plaster, if you like, over deep wounds, which a plaster is not going to help with. Wounds of, um, if you like, deep darkness. I wonder if we can have our first slide up. And maybe that's because we, when we think about Christmas, when we think about the baby in the manger, the baby in the trough, we kind of don't really think he can help. And so we sing the songs, we keep him at arm's length. And I wonder, maybe that's you who've come this evening. And first of all, we're really glad you've come. If you're not really sure about this whole Jesus thing, honestly, maybe you think this baby in the trough, he can't really help me. But what I'd like us to do over the next 10 minutes, I want to invite us to play a little game. And it's a game of what if. What if. What if. God can bring out of the darkness, the dark things in our lives and our world, light, true light. And so we're going to take those four words I mentioned, injustice, fear, weariness, loneliness, and we're going to ask, what if Jesus really could transform them? What if Jesus is all that the Bible readings we've heard say that he is? And what if he is alive now and so can actually genuinely transform the darkness of our world into light? So let's begin with that first word we looked at, injustice. Because this year we've continued to see all kinds of injustice, haven't we? The effects of climate injustice, there's racial justice, which is always ongoing, economic injustice, we've had the cost of living crisis, all sorts of things that have been exposed through the world events um, this year. We could go on. So you might ask, well, what can this baby in the trough do about that? 
Well, the first reading that we heard from Isaiah 61 rooted us in the reality of our world, as a world that is steeped in the darkness of injustice, because it describes the baby that would come as one who would come to bring justice. Here's a few words from that reading. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And not only to proclaim, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners. Into our darkness, the darkness of our unjust world, God gives us not a policy, not a charity, not a philosophy, not a self-help book, but a baby which might seem like a pretty ridiculous solution to the problem of injustice, unless that baby is himself justice. Unless that is who he says, uh, he is who the reading says he is, unless he is to his very core justice. And so, in fact, he is just what we need. What if he is the creator of the universe in a manger and therefore knows exactly what this world needs? He's designed it in a certain way to be good, to be true, for all things to work uh, in justice, to work through justice. And what if he's the one that can bring it? What if? I wonder. I wonder whether policies, government ministers, as well as they work, charities, as well as the amazing work they do, the philosophies, I wonder if they only get you so far. What if he... And he alone is what justice really looks like, what you and I in our world really needs. So we can have our next slide. Here's our next word, fear. I wonder if this is a word, an emotion that's kind of found its way into your life this year, recently, maybe as you're sat here even this evening. Because we all experience fears and worries, uncertainties, don't we, about our health, about our future. There's the wars raging around us and they're coming into Europe and they feel, it feels a little bit close for comfort, doesn't it? One of the readings we heard talks about fear. The reading about Mary speaks of this deep fear inside her, but it wasn't actually a fear of darkness. No, it was a fear of light. It was a fear of glory. It was a fear of God. Suddenly, Mary finds herself in the presence of the divine, in the presence of an angel, and she is terrified. But just as the fear of Mary's heart reaches its peak, the angel says these simple but profound words, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Be at peace. Why? How? How could you be at peace in the presence of this heavenly angel? Because, says the angel, you are highly favored. You are highly favored. In other words... God is for you. He knows you. He cares for you. He loves you. How do we know? Well, because the baby in the trough was God's gift, and he chose her. And yet it's a favor that is not only for Mary, but extends to you and me. How do we know? Well, the baby in the manger was given for all, to be king of the world, savior of the world. That includes you and me. At the heart of Christmas, it turns out, is a love so strong that it can drive out fear. Because if the creator of the universe loves us, favors us, well, what do we have to fear? The one in the manger is the prince of peace. And yes, worry and fears will sometimes creep in. But Christmas kind of says that fear is no longer prince. Peace is. What if? What if the baby in the trough is big enough, 
but safe enough and loving enough to take our fears, to carry them for us, and to return to us genuine peace. So we've had injustice being transformed into justice, fear into peace. And now we come to the third reading, the shepherds on their night watch. Now these are seasoned, hardened shepherds. Um, and yet, you imagine kind of weary. They're on another night watch. I don't know if we've got any uh, night shift workers in the house tonight. Hands up if you work night shifts. I'm kind of like, I always look at people, we've got, we've got at least one. I always look at people who do night shifts and think, I, don't, I genuinely don't know how you live, don't know how you survive. I mean, I've had three kids, but you kind of get through it, it's the season, then it's done. My only night shift really is uh, Christmas Eve, midnight communion. Um, and even that's not really a night shift, is it? Clock off at half twelve, it's not exactly a night shift. But I kind of wonder how they do it. And I, and I kind of think for the shepherds, they were doing this night after night after night after night. And I wonder if that weariness kind of sunk deeper than just their body and kind of into their soul, a weariness of spirit. That weariness of hoping for that promised Messiah, the promised king they've been waiting for for hundreds, if not thousands of years, still waiting. I wonder, do you sometimes as well find yourself experiencing a bit of a weariness that goes deeper than your body? A weariness of soul, a weariness of spirit. And yet into the shepherd's night, into their weariness, comes this adrenaline shot of joy. The joyful news comes that their king has been born and the one who had put all things right. And there's this added joy that the God of the universe chose these shepherds, these particular ones, to be the recipients of this news. The ones that would receive this pure joy of that their king is coming. And I just imagine being them and having that joy that he chose me, he chose us. That pure joy of being noticed, being known being loved. And again, this pure joy can also be for you and for me. What if this pure joy can transform our sense of weariness uh, into joy? Because you too are noticed. God wants to say you too are known, you too are loved, you too are called, because the gift in the manger is intended for you, intended for the world. Good news of great joy for all people. What if? And lastly, our last word is lonely. Perhaps the most painful thing for us is a deep loneliness. It's something we all experience, isn't it? And it's something that's really hard to talk about. It feels really vulnerable. But actually, we all experience loneliness. What I've tried to do this evening is communicate something of the transformation that God wants to bring into our lives and into our world. I believe he's able to do it. I believe Christmas is this amazing message of of hope. But ultimately, words, including my words, fail. Because ultimately, Christmas isn't simply a message. You see, the message is a person. The word became flesh. These are the words we heard in our last reading. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth, says John. The heart of Christmas is not empty words, not superficial good wishes, good feelings that come and go, vain hope. It is the baby in the manger because in the manger lies God with us. It's him. We can talk about light, we can talk about justice, we can talk about peace, we can talk about joy. But if you really want to know it, if you really want to experience it, 
if you really want to know the true companion of your soul who will never leave you, here's where we find it. Or what if? What if that's where we could, where we're to find it? All of it wrapped up in this gift of Jesus. But just as I finish, you might be thinking, well, if Christmas promises all this transformation, why is our world still so dark and unjust and, and all the rest? Well, what if it's because we've largely left the gift of the baby in the manger unwrapped? It's this strange claim, isn't it, that's shared in carol services up and down the country year after year that every December, uh, that we share every December, that he is God's gift to us. And we're invited to come and unwrap it, to enjoy it, to explore it. Alpha's an amazing chance to do that. I encourage you to think about that. But what if we would just take a moment to, to do something of that now? I'm just going to say a quick prayer for us. And while I pray, um, we're going to, I guess, have that symbol of Jesus turning our darkness into light as we light our candles. So I think Luke and a couple of others are going to get the chain going. I advise caution around Luke because we've just, you know, we've heard what, what, what can happen. Um, but can I invite you to, is this best done standing or sitting, Luke? Maybe it's best sitting, actually. Stand, stand. Can I invite you to stand? Father, we thank you so much that when we come to this season, we don't need to pretend. We don't need to be fake. We don't need to hide or mask what's really going on in our lives. We don't need to leave the problems of the world at the doorstep. Because you're a God who comes into, enters into our mess. Thank you that you know exactly what's going on with each one of us. And thank you that you promise to bring your light. That in Jesus all things are being put right. One day all things will be well. And in the meantime, we get to navigate some of the dark things that we encounter in life with you. So Jesus, for those of us who are ready to, to say this, we, Lord, we, we want to ask that you would come into our lives perhaps for the first time, perhaps for the thousandth time this Christmas, and show us what it means to do life with the God of the manger, God with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.